Southern California is home to millions of drivers, so the open road is rarely open. And unfortunately, as we all know, a lot of drivers aren't always focused on navigating the street in front of them. So Toyota is doing its part to help make driving safer. Toyota Safety Sense is a no-cost suite of safety features designed to be a kind of safety co-pilot. And it comes standard on most of their models. Find out what Toyota Safety Sense is all about. Visit buyatoyota.com. Your Southern California Toyota dealers make it easy. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to today's show. I'm in Central Park, Manhattan, New York. Let's talk about active versus passive income. A lot of controversy I'm seeing online. Some people saying passive income is a myth that you shouldn't shoot towards the goal of creating passive income. And of course, other business influencers saying it's all about passive income. What's the truth? That's what we're gonna get to. I'm gonna give you how I see it based on my life and working with uh, hundreds of thousands of business owners over the last year. So, over the last years. Um, so let's just jump right into this. I wanna talk about seven truths slash myths about uh, about passive income, okay? Try to get through all of them. I'm only gonna get to five of them while I'm on this walk in Central Park, so I'm trying to do my 10,000 steps every day is fasted cardio in the morning, so killing two birds with one stone by doing this podcast as I walk. So if I sound out of breath or whatever, you know what's up. Okay, number one myth slash truth about passive income. It's all semantics, okay? If you don't know what semantics is, semantics basically means uh, something very simple. It depends on your definition of the word. So if you define the word passive as completely zero input by you, yeah, then you'll probably never have passive income. But if you define passive income as something very minimal in time expenditure, then it's very realistic for passive income. For example, I started doing real estate as a part-time investment. I'm just going to guess, I don't know, 2006, maybe five, actually. I was in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I uh, worked with, I had a business partner who was older than me, more experienced, basically a retired millionaire by the time he was 30, named John DeWar. And so he had come from Wachovia and business real estate lending. So he was kind of my mentor. He made it easy for me. I bought my first house. We bought a series of houses, but there's we've sold most of them since then, except for one that I kept in Raleigh, North Carolina, right near Crabtree Mall. And I put a property manager, her name's Leslie, and I have not been to that house, looked at it, I don't know, I'd say it's been a minimum of a decade since I've even driven past that that uh, road. But she's kept it rented about 99% of the time. There's someone in it right now, I know, because I got an email from her that I need to replace the air conditioning unit after a decade. Um, so I leveraged it. I probably put down to buy that place, I don't know, 
less than 25 grand. I don't remember. It wasn't a super expensive place. It was two or $300,000 place, but it's appreciated. And at first the rent didn't quite pay for the mortgage, but now I think it does. And so the appreciation has been tax-free. It's been pretty hands off by me. I would say total hours or time that I spend focused on it per year is maximum one hour a month. I doubt I've even done that. So you could say that's not passive because I am having to put in a few hours a year, but I mean, it feels like passive to me. Why wouldn't that be a goal? In hindsight, I should have bought more properties like that. But you know, when you start out and I was busy as an entrepreneur, I at that point owned like three different companies. I was too busy to do it. Not a good excuse, but it is realistic. It has happened and that's just one of multiple sources of passive income. But I wanted to just give one as an example for those of you, that's not too intimidating, that pretty much anybody can do. Buy a single family home, find a property management company, put them in, they buy the property. You know, Sometimes they'll cash flow immediately if, if you're lucky. If you buy in certain markets, it's easier. If you buy in medium to lower income neighborhoods, it's a little more likely, but then you don't get the appreciation. So anyway, I don't wanna do a talk on real estate right now, but you can see how somebody could say, oh no, Ty, that's not passive income. You know, they could just negate what I said and say, you put time into it. You're, in the last 10 years, you put in, you know, 20 hours. That's not fully passive. Um, but in all common sense, it's passive income. So myth number one, it's all how you define it. Number two, I think you should strive towards both active and passive income. So when you study logic, there's this thing called false dichotomy. It's a logical fallacy, meaning it doesn't make sense. It's a mistake of the human brain. And one of those is false dichotomy. So when we're little kids, one of the first questions we ask when we watch a movie is, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy? We want simple answers. And when it comes to active and passive income, people love to fall into this or accidentally, maybe not love, but subconsciously, they fall into this, uh, no, forget passive income, go for active income. Or they go, forget active income, that's disgraceful. The only real income is passive income. Well, you know what? It's not true. Both are very, very valid, okay? I like to have both active and passive income. And I think you should have both, and I think you should build a balance. And I think, realistically, the balance is gonna start pretty heavy towards active income when you first start out. It's just the nature of the game. Passive income takes time to build. It's a little trickier in many ways. It's not hard, but it's trickier. You know, it's so when you start out, you're going to probably be like 95% active income, 5% uh, passive income. And every year you gain experience and a little success, you can move that ratio to the point where if you look at many retired multimillionaires or billionaires, they're probably at, you know, 20% active income, things that take their time on a daily basis, and 80% uh, passive. So you can set that as a goal. Some of you will achieve it in 10 years. Some of you achieve it never. Some of you will achieve it in a couple years. But move the ratio 
you know, here's my thing. And it takes me to number three. Point number three, myths and truths about passive income. Number three point is I personally um, don't want 100% passive income. I'll tell you why. I've tried it. You know, I could retire right now. I have about 18 different streams of income. Uh, some of them make me a couple grand a month. Some, some of them make me a couple hundred grand a month. I could retire and realistically never work again or very, very minimal, an hour or a week or something, and probably maintain a pretty cool, you know, income, an income I would have dreamed about years ago. But I've tried it before. I did it um, in various years. Even like last year, I remember just being like, I'm going to enjoy life more. I'm going to do less. Uh, you know, I'm going to do a little less of, of uh, active business. I got bored. So <clears throat> the next point that I'm trying to say, are we on point three here? I'm losing track. Uh, point, point three or four, whatever we're on, is find your balance, you know? Do you really want to be at 20, 80, 20% active income, 80% passive? My guess for myself, and I always recommend this, when it comes to percentages, when you don't know what to do, uh, default to 50-50. It's, it's, you know, Aristotle, Plato, the great philosophers, they talked about the truth is usually in the middle. It's usually the balance, you know? The truth is usually not with hardcore Republicans or hardcore de Democrats. It's usually somewhere in the middle. It's usually not with hardcore conservatives or liberals. It's usually not with being hardcore, 100% passive income or 100% active income. It's that nice little balance, you know? And so what I like to do, me personally, is I like to... Um, know myself, oh, this is a tricky thing to do, know thyself, and then I found 50-50's a great default. How many, you know, if you have a business partner who's active in the business, how much should you give if you both start the business, put the same amount of money, 50-50. <laughs> active passive income, 50-50. That's my default because anytime I get out of balance, something goes out of whack. I either get bored, my income goes down too much, it goes up too much, believe it or not. Your income can go up too much. People don't, I, something I never would have imagined is a problem. You know the old saying, more money, more problems? That's true. You can definitely increase your income with a concomitant in, uh, increase in annoying people around you, annoying stressors. So for me, as I said, you hit that nice 50-50 balance active and passive, meaning you could take a vacation and your passive income would sustain you. If you got burned out, you need to take a month off and go to Europe. You could let your active, because by the way, and this is the next point, um, and I probably should have addressed this in the first point, but let me give you a specific definition. So I think we're on number four here. Let's specifically define active and passive. So the number, number four myth versus truth about active and passive. We have to decide on definitions. My definition of active income is you go on a month long vacation and that income dramatically decreases, then that's active income. 
okay? You go on a vacation for a month, I'm not talking about a year, but you go on a vacation even for two weeks, your income dramatically decreases. That, cate that category of income would be active, okay? I have, sometimes people get a little confused on the definition. They go, oh, passive income is recurring income. Maybe you have a recurring product that people pay automatically every month. That's not automatically active or passive because some recurring income could be for like coaching you're doing or consulting you're doing that you have to show up all the time that you can't take a month off. So little side note there. So definition number one, it's called the vacation test. You go on 30 day vacation around the world. You can't work much. Let's say you go to the Serengeti Desert in Africa, or you go to Mongolia on, or you take the Trans-Siberian Express Railroad from Moscow to, you know, Siberia. Um, you don't have good internet. If that income plummets, noticeably drops, it was active. And then of course, passive income means you go on a month long vacation and it pretty much stays the same. Giving you that example, that early example of passive income stream that I built with that place in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina that I still have. I mean, I've gone on many vacations, never even thought about that property. It's true passive income. Even if once in a while I have to answer the property manager about should we paint the place or something like that, okay? So good. All right, next point. Uh, the truth of lie about passive active income. What's the easiest type of passive income to build? Let's talk about that truth and lies. I hear both in this. So some people will tell you it's real estate. And I gave you an example of real estate. Certainly you can make an argument that real estate is one of the purest and maybe easiest. I hate using the word easiest. Easiest depends on your personality because like for me, it's easy to play chess, but one of my brothers doesn't like it. So, you know, but I would say for sure, real estate has to be at the top of the conversation of passive income. But for me, that hasn't, that's not my main source of passive income. My main source of passive income actually comes online. By, and I'll give you a perfect example. 67 Steps is a program I built in 20, and launched in 2014. I think I launched it July 25th, 2014. For a dollar, dollar a month. First month, first 30 days I made, I don't know, a grand. Next 30 days after that, I made 10, started making 10 grand a month. Within six months, it was making, I don't know, 100,000 to a million a month. And uh, I recorded all the videos in 2014 and 2015. It's kind of like a video book explaining the 67 things my mentors taught me. It resonated. Hundreds of thousands of people went into the program or maybe, yeah, around, I'm not sure what the number is now. I would say close to 200,000 people have gone through it. I have not recorded another video since 2015 in that program. It was 67 one hour videos that you get for a dollar a month each. So 67 bucks a month or whatever, 69. And so that's great passive income. And I promise you <laughs> the revenue I generated from that passively pretty much smokes almost any real estate investment 
passive investment I've seen people do. There's a few people, obviously billionaires and massive people doing those numbers, but we're talking a thing that's created just tens of millions of dollars passive income. Now, not everybody's gonna be able to do that. It's, a, you know, you have to have the right product mix, the right marketing mix, but I'm just giving you an example of passive income sources don't always have to be real estate. Everybody just defaults to that. But don't forget, the modern world, if you can create a product, especially online, that's delivered by a computer, which never gets tired, which doesn't need employee benefits, you know, videos that I have online for my 67 Steps program, when people pay and log in, those programs are truly passive. Uh, I mean, that income is truly passive. Now, once again, is it 100% passive? Absolutely not. I have worked on the funnels and built new marketing campaigns, but without a doubt, it passes the vacation test. I can definitely, definitely go on a vacation, okay? And uh, go on this vacation and there's zero drop in the income. If, there, if income's gone down from that product, it's just been more over time, you start to saturate the market and your low-hanging clientele potential. And so income can go down or up based on that trajectory. But yeah, so I would say, uh, so let, let me go to the next point. So the point of this last point was that it depends. There is no best. Don't ever let people oversimplify. Oversimplification, it's like Albert Einstein said, you should make things as simple as possible, but not simpler than they can be. You can't oversimplify. And boy, do people oversimplify when it comes to this conversation about money. Anything related to money, people just give you, oh, 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 passive income, oh, 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 oh real estate, oh, oh, like, never do that. Ah, don't listen to those people. Or listen to them with a grain of salt, because the truth lies oftentimes in the middle. Okay, next, uh, the next point, truth or lie, a specific example you can get started with today. What's something practical that you can do? I'm gonna give you two. Let's, let me give you two, okay? So one of them, let's talk about real estate. What's the simplest way to create active, and I wanna talk about active or passive income. I tell you what I think right now, it changes over time. I, I've had a real estate, you know, wholesaling course, a real estate flipping course, a buy and hold real estate program. If you go to my website, tylobes.com, click on the top nav about real estate, you can get in those mentor programs if you want. But um, the newest one that I launched in January 2019 was, I call it HSMC, Home Sharing Management. It's how to use Airbnb in real estate to create active and passive income without ever having to own the properties. Basically, Airbnb is this website that's just crushing it, destroying, disrupting the hotel industry. People out there have homes. You don't have to own the homes. What you can do is cut a deal with them that you'll manage the deal and you'll put them on Airbnb. We train you how to be good at Airbnb, how to set up the profile, how to be compelling, how to drive traffic and all that, right? And uh, so that, is a great way and it'll start out as active income. You'll have to be actively involved, but once you get enough properties, you can hire someone under you to manage the Airbnb bookings and 
you know, the concierge service. You basically launch a concierge service and you split the money and homeowners love it. They don't have time. There's so many rich homeowners that have homes or extra vacation homes they're not using. And you can come in and, you know, split the rev, split the profit. Um, so that is a very, very practical thing that every single person here could do. I mean, it, it's for sure that you can go out there and start an HSMC. Hi, I'm Arusha Pires, host of a new podcast called Investing with IBD. Here are a few snippets from the conversations that we're having. Facebook, you know, it's coming back. I was really treating it as a counter trend kind of stock. You have these really fast moving stocks. You want to have a little bit slower moving stocks yeah, also definitely. in your portfolio. What Bill observed after sitting through many market corrections is that the market will come down, but you need to wait a few days and see if there's going to be continued power. And that's where he came up with the follow through day concept. One of the most interesting things is, you know, utilities have actually been very, very strong over the last 52 weeks. The work that we've done on yield curve inversion suggests that after the yield curve inverts, over the next year, utility performance is actually not that good. Come join the conversation on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Some cities, Airbnb is not allowed. We talk about that in the course, but so there's a real estate play that's available to you if you have bad credit, if you're young, inexperienced, any of those things. Uh, it's certainly, I just got a, posted a testimonial from a woman who got in the program. I don't know, she's in her 20s, I think. And she just DM'd me on Instagram with her numbers. She's made, and this is like the last five months, part-time, she's made $24,000. And I forget what the profit, it was, it was very profitable. So that's like a passive income. It wasn't her main thing. It wasn't fully passive, but for sure, there's an element passive income there. So that's a real estate example. Let's give you one more example, which is a digital product example. I'll give you an example you guys can start. I don't know if you saw this cash flow program that I launched, but basically affiliate marketing, I give you the perfect example. There's a guy. David J. Woodbury. If you've seen my cash flow ads to be an affiliate for me, he, 2015, I launched an affiliate program, meaning other people could promote and market my products. They didn't have to have their own website. So this guy came, he made a YouTube channel. He did some reviews of my products. And then after the good, he did a good review that people liked, seemed, you know, well-balanced, unbiased people clicked it, uh, then he put his affiliate link in the description and said, oh, okay, here's my review of Ty's social media marketing program. Click this link and go buy. And I've been paying him, so here's the exact numbers, because I pay him every two weeks as an affiliate. He sends buyers to my site. With just his YouTube channel, he knows how to do SEO optimization and YouTube optimization. I have paid him 600, over $650,000 since 2015 to today. So four years, and um, he spent 21,000 on marketing in four years. The SEO optimization, and whatever backlinks things he did. So point being, he's netted 600, let's say $630,000.
pure net. He didn't have an employee. He didn't have to maintain the websites. I did. I had to keep the websites going. I'd have the programs. He didn't have to do customer support. I did. He didn't have to do phone sales. I did. I don't know what's more passive income. I'm going to tell you how passive his income is. His income's so passive when I first... I've never met him. He knew my brother. My brother, Ben. So... That's how he got in my affiliate program. So this year when I launched Cashflow, by the way, you should definitely go to my website and check out Cashflow because I've made a program that will help you uh, learn affiliate marketing starting with my products, but you can use it for all your stuff. It's the best thing I've ever put out. And it's built around the success story of David J. Woodbury. And I'm not promising everybody's gonna make 650,000. That's not how it goes. In fact, the fact that he got in early, it was less saturated. So that's what I tell people. Jump on new ideas early. <laughs> Jump on new trends early. He jumped early. So go to tylopez.com. You'll see the, the cash flow and affiliate link at the top nav bar. Jump in. You can even see a video there about David. He's not an actor. It's not made up numbers because I know how much I paid him. Now, I can't prove he only spent 21 grand, but he seemed like a pretty trustworthy guy. And he wouldn't keep doing it if it wasn't very profitable. Why would he... You know, and I know I've been sending him five to ten thousand dollars every two weeks for the last year for years. So that's passive income. It's as good as any real estate. <laughs> no property taxes. No need for a realtor or a, or a property manager. So yeah, I'm not saying it's better than real estate, but it's certainly comparable. And passive income. This guy, I faced him. He's in Washington State right now. He bought an RV. Him and his wife just travel around. The United States, I think Canada too, enjoying life. He's like, I hardly work. Uh, he does work, but not an insane amount. So there's another example. Affiliate digital marketing, more, uh, partnering with somebody who already is doing it. That'll make it more passive because you don't have to run the whole operation. So I'll do a different show, an episode on affiliate marketing, but I just wanted to touch on it. Okay, I think we're on our last point here. I'm about halfway through my walk. I'm almost at the, trying to get to the reservoir here in Central Park is a big darn thing, man. Um, so, uh, what is the seventh point? The seventh point that is debunking the truth slash lies about passive versus active income is just this. Um, passive and act active income goes to whoever overthinks it the least. So if you consider yourself an engineering type, a massive overthinker, a super cautious person, great, you know, stay how you are. And Dr. Buss always tells me it's, charge, it's hard to change somebody who's over 24 years old because your brain's basically sealed over. So I'm not gonna try to change you. You're pretty much set in your ways and you will always probably be behind the game. People like David J. Woodbury, that was back when I, before I had any affiliate training, he just jumped in and he made, you know, half a million bucks. By the way, I'm not his only source of income. He's an affiliate marketer for multiple things. So for those of you I'm speaking to who do not get paralyzed by your brain, who do not, who think, but don't overthink, listen to me. All the other people who are on this call, who are the opposite of you, be happy, because they'll never compete with you. You'll always beat them. <laughs> it's just, 
people ask me, Ty, what, what's been your secret? You had a pretty quick rise, you know, on social media, although people don't realize I've been online since 02. I started very young uh, as an entrepreneur and in my teens. And anyway, so, you know, my answer is just, my, my final truth or lie is that this game of a great balanced active passive income truly goes to people who don't get paralyzed. Now you might think you might need a day, a week, but you know what I'm talking about. Be happy, by the way, all of you who are not overthinkers, um, because if everybody was like you, it'd be too saturated. The market, affiliate marketed would saturate, real estate would saturate, all the passive income sources that exist would saturate extremely fast. But they don't, because no matter how much success people see in others, their fear, there's a part of your brain called the amygdala. And that amygdala is a, is a beast. <laughs> I'll say that lightly, in a bad way. Uh, and I mean, it can be good. Obviously, there's no good and bad in the brain, but I'm saying that colloquially, that it's bad in the sense that in the modern world, your primitive brain, part of which is the amygdala, which stores your fear memories. So maybe as a sixth grader in school, you tried something and failed, a sport, a talking to, some, you know, getting a date with somebody or whatever. And so you embedded this amygdala fear memory and now it's very active in everything you try to do. I'm telling you, you got to overcome the amygdala. One day there'll be genetic engineering and drugs that completely get rid of fear memories that aren't useful. You do want some fear memories, by the way. You want, if you put, like when I was five, I went on a motorcycle and put my leg on the muffler and burned it real bad. I, and I've never done that again. That's a good fear memory. But I'm talking about the generalizing fear memory that you may have had. Maybe you started a business and it didn't go so well. You had a business partner who ripped you off, whatever. You, you have to learn to rid yourself of these fear memories because that's the reason you're overthinking everything. That's simple. You're literally overthinking it because of this strange fear memory that is, has nothing to do with this. Look, look around you. People all day long are creating passive income for themselves, all day long. There's zero doubt in this, all day long. So it's not like fear of the unknown, like, oh, Ty, what you're saying is impossible. Nobody's ever created online or real estate passive income or partial passive income. This is a scary thing. Well, it might be no one in your family did. No one in my family had ever done really anything entrepreneurial. I mean, my dad was in prison for selling drugs in Harlem, where he's from, New York, not far from where I'm walking right now, but I don't really con particularly consider that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he was an entrepreneur of sorts, but not the one that you wanna be. And uh, so, stop, stop the brain, calm the brain. I listened to an, I, I read an interesting article, I'll end with this, I read an interesting article, you probably find on Google, Ray Dalio, who's worth about $20 billion, one of the wealthiest people in the world. He talks about how in 1983, when he was in his 30s, I think he was in his 30s then, he had his little hedge fund, 
which eventually made him billions. But back then, he, he did an investment, a series of investments, and was completely wrong. And he lost everything. He lost money for his clients. He lost, obviously, money for himself. He had to, he had to cancel. I'm sorry, he had to uh, fire and lay off all of the employees that he liked. And what got him through it was learning meditation. I think he did TM, which is Transcendental Meditation. But whatever it is, whether you want to meditate or not, you ha he found something that calmed his brain and that did not allow him, that, that made him um, not afraid. Getting some water here, water fountain. I forgot my water jug. I've been trying to follow the Tom Brady the quarterback, he says you should drink half your weight in water. So I weigh about 180 right now. Need to drink at least 90 ounces, not counting sweating. So I hate forgetting my water jug. I try to get a 50 ounce water jug because with a 50 ounce, I can just drink two a day and track it, you know? Um, anyway, back to what I was saying. Ray Dalio, he learned to calm his mind. Not everybody has to do transcendental meditation, but he said that was critical, and I know why. It's for what I've been talking about. He was able to overcome fear memories in his amygdala. Amygdala's kind of right in the center of your brain, behind your forehead there, and uh, back a little bit. And, you know, he just was able to go, okay, I failed before, failed in my 30s, I lost money for everybody, I had to fire everybody. I lost everything I had worked for for a decade. But you know what? It's gonna be okay. Don't be paralyzed. And he started again in the same industry and he killed it and he, of course, became one of the wealthiest people in the world. He, he wrote a book recently called Principles, which I kinda like. I was expecting it to be the greatest book I ever read, but it's good. Maybe I need to reread it. It wasn't, it wasn't horrible. I mean, it, well, it was good. I shouldn't say it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't as good as Sigmund Freud's Civilization Discontents or one of the books that I consider the all-time greatest books of all time. I, the all-time all greatest books. So, um, yeah. I hope this helped you. Go to tylopez.com. Check out Cashflow. Check out the real estate programs I have. They're paid programs. They're in-depth. They got money-back guarantee. And look, none of them cost even a tenth or twentieth of what a college degree is costing. You're not gonna have to go in debt to get in these. We have payment plans on most of them. Um, we have money back guarantees, which, you know, you probably didn't get in all the past education. You buy a book, it's not good. There's no money back guarantee. I'm not saying you shouldn't buy books. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to college. I'm just saying, do the math in your brain. Low risk, high potential in my opinion. And now, in my life, the money I've spent on educating myself, especially around practical stuff that I can actually go out and do the same week, the same month, the same day, uh, it's come back to me a thousandfold. I wish in hindsight, I was listening to this episode when I was, you know, 16 years old, I would have, I was already investing in my brain and mostly with books. I remember I spent $10,000 one year when I was, I think still a teenager, on books, learning. And boy, that made all the difference in my life. And, uh, but I didn't do it enough. There is no limit. You should invest in real estate. You should invest 
in online education, uh, in on building online businesses and marketing and all that. But invest more in your own brain. And most people's, especially entrepreneur, their budget's all messed up. They're spending, you know, 30% of their money on housing, which is fine. But you can get a little bit cheaper house to free up some money for your brain. Everything that you want out of life is going to come from within your two ears. It's the only thing that really separates humans, unless you're going to be a pro athlete. But you'll be separated by what you know, but not just book knowledge, but also what you know and can do. And that comes from practical knowledge. You need book smarts and street smarts. I'll do a show on that one of the days, you know. The truth and lies about books, book smarts, and street smarts, because some people just say, there's a whole half the world basically goes, oh, you don't need a book, just go do stuff, and then the other half of the world goes, oh, you need a formal education, PhD, master's degree will help you. And the truth, once again, lies in between, and I'm giving you the answer. Be book smart and street smart. You get those two, you will be a monster in a good way. You will be a beast in conquering life and succeeding at life, succeeding at all the things that you want in life. So good luck out there. Make sure you subscribe to the show. Do me a favor. Uh, leave me an honest review. I read the reviews. I don't read them every day, but I read them once a month. And I get good ideas for things you think I should improve or topics that I should talk, speak on. So... Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Arusha Pires, host of a new podcast called Investing with IBD. Here are a few snippets from the conversations that we're having. Facebook, you know, it's coming back. I was really treating it as a counter trend kind of stock. You have these really fast moving stocks. You want to have a little bit slower moving stocks yeah, also definitely. in your portfolio. What Bill observed after sitting through many market corrections is that the market will come down, but you need to wait a few days and see if there's going to be continued power. And that's where he came up with the follow through day concept. One of the most interesting things is, you know, utilities have actually been very, very strong over the last 52 weeks. The work that we've done on yield curve inversion suggests that after the yield curve inverts, over the next year, utility performance is actually not that good. Come join the conversation on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.